Hello and welcome to Lab Notes, your weekly dose of inspiring innovation. Hello and welcome to Lab Notes. I'm your host, Leo Stevens, and much like the rest of the world, I'm currently in a COVID-induced lockdown. Fortunately, with some microphones and the power of the internet, I can still produce the Lab Notes podcast from home, so we'll be forging ahead with this series. I hope you too are finding ways to adjust to this new way of life, staying productive, and most importantly, keeping yourself, your family, and the broader community safe. Before we dive into the show, I want to make a special shout out to the essential workers who are on the beat to keep our vital services running, and especially the healthcare workers battling on the front lines of this epidemic. You are all incredible human beings. In the coming weeks, Lab Notes will start using lockdown-appropriate interview tools like Skype and Zoom instead of our face-to-face interviews. We're also working hard to bring you stories pertinent to the COVID response, including researchers developing new vaccines, epidemiologists modelling the virus, and the business owners retooling factories to produce much-needed medical supplies. Before we get to those, I'll be sharing with you the last of our face-to-face interviews that were recorded before the lockdown. So with no further ado, it's my pleasure to bring you one such interview with a very exciting guest, Michael Sharp. Michael is a National Director of the Australian Manufacturing Growth Centre, a group charged with guiding the transition of Australia's manufacturing industry into the new age of digital fabrication. In this role, Michael has travelled the length and breadth of Australia, forging links between businesses, academia and the government to ensure Australia's manufacturers are innovative and competitive in an increasingly global marketplace. With previous experience at the helm of a multi-generational family business, a deep history of community volunteering, a degree from the Harvard Business School, and even a brief foray into politics, there's plenty to delve into. I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, so Michael, thanks for joining us on the Lab Notes podcast. Very happy to be here, Larry. Thank you. So we're here on the sidelines of the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centres Forum. I wonder if you could tell us what that was about and why we're here today. Yeah, it was great to bring people together to talk about advanced manufacturing. Today we know that manufacturing is so much more than just making stuff. It's about collaboration, engaging with researchers, and bringing people together to make the world's best products that we can export to the world. Absolutely, and so your key role within the AMGC is essentially that networking side. It's a great privilege of mine to go all around the country and meet business owners big and small. Uh, The Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre is a federal government initiative to help transform the sector. Uh, But what an exciting time around robotics and automation, uh, this digital transformation that's happening right now. Uh, It's an exciting space and uh, the good companies are doing very well. All right, so let's go back a bit and get a bit of background on what makes Michael Sharp tick. (laughs) I know you grew up in the Gosford region. Your father ran a development company that progressively morphed into a specialist asphalt and road building firm. What were your experiences of the family business as a kid? Well, it's a fourth generation family business and uh, I started when I was 15, straight out of school um, in road construction and road maintenance. And the business has grown over the decades to operate for many of the local councils in in road maintenance and the like. Uh, We developed road equipment to speed up the processes of some of those jobs. Um, So the IP and stuff that we developed uh, to make the machinery uh, really speeded up the process and helped us gain new customers. Um, which really drove that company forward. So it's, yeah, it's been a great time. I've really enjoyed uh, being involved in that infrastructure space. 
Um, I think the, the joy of at the end of each day seeing a project coming together was always a good feeling, you know, it's something you've created yourself from your own toil. How, how did it look from a, a kid's perspective before you jumped into the business yourself, but being, I guess, engaged with that, with your dad running it? Yeah, I guess I've always been involved with the family business, so from a very young age, you know, my dad tells the story of taking me to work in, in the bassinet, sitting on the truck beside him, so I guess um, you could say I've always been involved in the family business, and I think that's quite common. Um, family Business uh, Australia is a great organisation, and we were lucky enough to win the Family Business of the Year for New South Wales. So sharing our story and gaining new customers, uh, it really has a crossover into the manufacturing space of, you know, we need to share those stories. We need to share the experience and uh, develop new things that we can take to the world. So you're engaged quite heavily with academia as part of your current role, but I know you went straight from school into that family business yeah. and, and didn't have a formal academic education. Yeah. I was wondering, kind of two related questions, do you feel you missed out on anything in academic education or alternatively, do you think that tertiary students might be missing out on something by not jumping into industry? Sure. Uh, I mean, I don't think we should ever stop learning. And now, you know, they say that the kids coming out of school today will probably have 17 different uh, jobs in their lifetime. Wow, what a change. Um, I was really pleased to be able to go to Harvard Business School. I've done a couple of courses over there in Boston. Met some great people from all around the world and some great friends who I've been able to keep in touch with. Um, I don't think I missed out on anything. Uh, certainly hands-on experience. You know, my grandfather taught me how to work a shovel. There's an efficient way to do that. Who would have known? And the old thing of, you know, measuring twice and cut once. All these things that you learn on the job and, and through your family and the networks that happen there. I think it's important, but certainly you should never stop learning. Uh, the ability today through the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre is to break down these barriers between some of the great researchers we have. You know, I think we're blessed to have some of the best researchers in the world right here in Australia. Um, but my mission and what I really am aiming to do is to break down those barriers and get these professors out of the universities and onto the factory floor. I want them to share their experience, but also to pick up from the business owners of why they do it in a certain way. And some of the conversations that I've been in part of just open your eyes up and suddenly the professors realise that there could be a better way of doing things because they see firsthand on the factory floor that it's working in that environment. So, yeah, the, the barriers are breaking down. Uh, more companies are engaging with the universities. And the opportunity is right now because we need to take on the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Do you have any specific stories about the, the networks that you've formed that someone that you know you've developed that link and it's, it's making good progress for the researcher and the, the industry? I can share one local one with you. So um, the Wollongong University, they have the facility for intelligent fabrication. And right now, Wollongong are leading the whole world in robotics welding technology. So I share that story very widely, uh, whether I'm in... Um, Broome in Western Australia or down in Hobart in Tasmania. Uh, the most recent one was in Cairns and a great company up there uh, employing about, around 15 people uh, is a company called Norweld and they make ute trays for the back of land cruisers. Um, so welding technology, they're doing great stuff. Their quality is first rate. Um, they're exporting to the world. I love sharing their story around their Instagram page and how they've been able to grow a, an international market from based in Cairns. Um, but I was walking their factory floor. They're very proud of the work they do, and rightly so. Uh, but I was able to then connect them to Wollongong. And so since then, they've been sending diagrams and uh, professors from Wollongong University are talking to Norwell to see how they might be able to implement some of this new industry technology, Industry 4.0, this digital transformation. How can a small business in Cairns adopt this new technology to help drive their company forward? Yeah, it's an exciting time and a great time to be in manufacturing. Great. Well, we'll get back to AMGC and some of the networking advice that you have, but I, I want to ask you about 
kind of your community engagement, you've been an avid volunteer in a, a wide variety of fronts. You've got time, spent time and money in Rotary, the Salvation Army, the Cancer Council, Lifeline, the Five Lands Walk and others. And similarly, the Shuffy Brothers Company has been making community contributions and your father was awarded an OAM for his community work. Um, what makes community engagement such a focus for the Sharp family? Yeah, thanks. I, I guess Dad's always been an inspiration to me. Uh, my father's taught me many things. Um, yeah, it was a great honour for him to uh, be awarded the Order of Australia Medal and he's gone on to um, work closely with the Governor here in New South Wales and he's been the Chairman of the Order of Australia Association. So he gets to travel a lot too and meeting some great Australians and sharing their stories. You know, this community service has been the backbone of our family business. And so it's, uh, it was a natural thing to be involved with these community groups and share our um, trucks when they were needed in community cleanup days. Um, go out there and help the Boy Scouts um, pave their new driveway to their new community hall. Um, I guess people would ask and we'd get out there and help. One great story there would be around the Cash Can trailer. So Cash Can, you know, I think I remember that it was about 52 cents a kilo you get for crushed aluminium cans when I was a kid. And so my dad uh, helped the local Apex Club to build the trailer that they needed to hold all these crushed cans. And so the Cash Can community, uh, Yumina Beach, where I grew up, um, was a great little environment. Every Saturday morning we'd get down there and me and my mates would jump in the trailer and help crush up those cans. And uh, I guess from a young age you realise that um, we're all part of this community. We've all got this great country to be proud of. How can we support each other more? Yeah, it's, it's terrific. And I've, I've got a follow-on question. Uh, I note some of your community engagement has also extended to some more traditional and conservative institutions, including the Freemasons. Um, as someone who hardly embraces technology in the modern world, I wonder what value you saw in these kind of old-world institutions. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess yeah, I have been a member of Apex and, and with Rotary, and uh, I've served on the Masonic Air Board. So the Freemasons, yeah, centuries old. Um, some great um, stories around that. Uh, with Masonic Air, it's uh, able to raise so many funds to help community projects. You've got retirement villages all around the country supported by the Freemasons. When natural disasters occur, there's cash donations that can support our communities to help get back on their feet. Um, so as an organisation, there's so many people out there willing to help the community. And so for me, it was a bit of a no-brainer to get involved. I had some friends involved in Freemasonry and they invited me to join and, and so I did. So yeah, but whether it's uh, Rotary or Apex or the Five Lands Walk, um, I think it's just really important to get out there and meet new friends, offer to help where you can. It's just a great opportunity to bring people together share the community spirit, and then work on how we can make our communities even stronger and better. To me, it always comes down to people. How do we bring people together? Yeah, so I guess that brings us to kind of towards the end of your career within Sharp Brothers. Um, in 2014, you stood down to run for public office as the Liberal candidate for the entrance. How was that experience in the public eye in the world of politics? That was an outstanding experience. I had never been involved with politics prior to that. I guess it was a natural extension of all the community work that I've always been involved with. You know, my dad certainly set the example and, and my grandfather before him. Um, so growing up around being involved and supporting people locally, uh, when you know, that opportunity arose, people said, well, you know, why don't you put your money where your mouth is and have a go? And so I did. I um, put my hand up and got involved with uh, the Liberal Party. Uh, it was a great experience. It was a very short campaign. It was over you know, about eight to ten weeks. Um, so getting out and door knocking to people and face-to-face, um, -face, you don't have anywhere to go, so you've got to be able to talk and communicate, ask questions and, and show how you can help. So I was able to help in many ways. Um, we, you know, we ended up uh, getting support for Lifeline uh, locally, which was terrific. 
Uh, in the end, uh, it was a very um, close run race. Uh, so there's only a handful of votes in the end. So yeah, certainly quite the experience. And it's led me on to uh, now being able to get out there and talk to industry and say, as a nation, where do we want to be? Uh, how can we connect more people to drive Australia forward on the world stage? You realise, I guess, uh, through those sort of efforts and being involved with so many different community groups, um, that we all have this opportunity to get out there and have a go. By connecting people, we can drive ourselves forward. My grandfather, again, I guess, set the example about how to uh, get engaged with community groups and then see what the results can be. Um, so right now with manufacturing, we've got companies all around Australia coming together. Uh, we're building case studies to share their stories. We're seeing new jobs being created. So with robotics and automation these days, instead of being a manual handler, we're seeing people um, trained up to be robotics technicians. Uh, you can lift more, so we're creating a safer working environment. The quality is improving because the robots are repetitive, so it improves the product quality. Um, yeah, it, it's a good time. So, I mean, networking is clearly a huge part of your role now, and, and you touched on briefly that perhaps you learned some of those skills on your, your run for office and your community work uh, times. Uh, I was wondering, what is your approach to, to this networking process and what advice might you have to academics who traditionally might be a bit cloistered or... Yeah, sure. I think it goes both ways. It's not just bringing the academics out of the universities, it's also getting the businesses and the business owners to go to the university campuses themselves and see the technology that is available. I've been able to lead parties from Tamworth and Armadale to come down to Wollongong and look at the robotics welding technology. And that's a great time. I mean, the people go away from there thinking, wow, I could do that in my business. And that's happening firsthand. We now have Rod Murphy in Newcastle is um, working with uh, the company in Tamworth and another company in Armidale uh, to help boost this technology and see how they can support each other. These are the barriers we're breaking down and these are the stories that we're sharing. Yeah, I mean, you've talked about those barriers and if you look at the statistics, Australia does fall behind a lot of its OECD partners in technology translation. I wonder if you could talk to what you view as the, the kind of historical hangovers, the challenges that had existed uh, previously. Yeah, well, for me, it's, we've got to get more companies exporting. I'd much rather see a potential customer base of around 7 billion people around the world in addition to the 25 million people we have here in Australia. So how do we get companies thinking more about export? Because there's so much room for improvement there. So you've got great organisations like Austrade. We have landing pads as part of the Austrade development all around the world, and they have an advanced manufacturing division now. So again, how do we share that story and share that knowledge? For me, it's pretty simple. You know, through LinkedIn, uh, more and more people every day are getting engaged in LinkedIn, uh, of course, Instagram and Twitter and all the rest. But there are these powerful tools that don't cost a lot of money at all, uh, where we can start connecting people and sharing our knowledge and supporting each other. This is the future for Australia. Do you think it's, it's the fear of the unknown or some personal apprehension that drives people to not use these tools that are available and, and hold themselves back? Or is there, is there something else that provides the gift of the gap and yeah. kind of builds these networks? Yeah, sure. And I think sometimes it is that, isn't it? Um, I guess family business can be that way too. And we've always done it this way, so why should we change? But the world around us is rapidly changing. And so to be able to share the case studies and share some of the examples that I'm able to come across um, is pretty powerful. Because if you don't change the way you do business today, you'll fall behind. If Australia doesn't change the way we do things as a nation, we risk falling behind. You know, I think uh, we risk skipping a generation in manufacturing if we don't change the way people perceive manufacturing in this country today. Uh, pretty much if you can operate a PlayStation, you could operate a robotics welding machine. This is not our grandfather's age of manufacturing anymore. I visited a great company in Nowra just yesterday, 
and I could almost eat my lunch off their factory floor. Um, manufacturing has evolved and it is changing. This digital transformation is real and it's happening now. Who would have thought that 3D printing would come out the way it has? I mean, when it, when it was first talked about that we could use 3D printers to make things, you know, some people thought that was, you know, space age stuff. And here we are only this week and the Prime Minister has launched the Australian Space Agency. Um, we're now talking about technology where you can take a 3D printer uh, and use it on the lunar surface to print uh, the robots that you need. This is the world we find ourselves in and there's great Australian companies doing exactly that. So I, I know you're engaged a little bit with some researchers around the circular economy. Can you tell us a bit about the kind of impacts of advanced manufacturing on um, sustainability? The circular economy is really important. We've seen such a shift in waste here in Australia just recently with the China sword policy. Um, so how can we use waste as a resource? And some of our great researchers are working to tackle that right now. And so if you think about e-waste, I now know that it takes 6,000 mobile telephones to make one tonne of e-waste. At the UNSW Smart Centre, they're developing technology to recycle those 6,000 mobile phones or one tonne of e-waste. They extract all the various rare earth materials and out of that one tonne, they're extracting 300 grams of gold. And so I said to the professor there, this is actually a gold making machine. Uh, this is the world we're in. It is an exciting time. The new technology is occurring and evolving right here in Australia. Uh, but again, we, we need to connect industry to this great research. So I know from my own experience that I knew exactly what the business was up to every day and I knew how to drive the business forward. And the companies that I meet all around Australia, they know their business. We need to get researchers there to help leverage that knowledge, get the researchers into the business to support uh, this great effort that's going on out there. This is the future that will drive us forward as a nation. How do you feel about the alternative version of that narrative? So there's obviously the getting the researchers into existing businesses to improve innovation. What about the researchers themselves becoming business owners through the kind of spin-out and start-up processes? Yeah, sure. And there is some great examples of that, you're right. The startup community in Australia is really, in my experience, it's, it's exploding. Uh, the startup hubs happening in regional Australia, um, the Sydney startup hub right in the middle of Sydney. Um, I've got to meet some of these great entrepreneurs and you know, Dresden Optics comes to mind, uh, using recycled plastics to develop uh, prescription eyewear. They're now Australia's only manufacturer of prescription eyewear. They've opened stores in Canada and New Zealand and all over Australia. Uh, we've been able to support them, uh, connect them to other manufacturers to help build their global supply chains. Um, so there's an initiative of circular economy, being able to create value out of our waste streams. We need to do more of that and we can lead the world. Uh, it doesn't matter so much anymore that Australia is this great land down under and geographically removed from the rest of the world. Uh, today with the cloud and, and all the technology available to, to us, um, Australia can lead the world and, and in many ways we are. Um, on a related question to the kind of entrepreneurship stuff, I know you spent some time at least with the Sydney Angels Investment Group. Uh, as part of the period kind of between uh, your run for office and the ANGC. How was your experience at looking at uh, innovation from that perspective and kind of screening young com companies, young entrepreneurs? Yeah, it, was, it's, it is really important to screen these great entrepreneurs that come through. Um, they learn something, we learn something. I guess experience counts, so we were able to share and meet these people but share our experience. Um, you know, sometimes it's tough for people to get up in front of an audience like that and, and to be looking for investment. Uh, so it really, uh, for me, it was an experience at Sydney Angels to see how people would come along and share their path to commercialisation. Um, I saw some great initiatives, um, some great apps that were being developed. 
Um, and then some basic, simple technology that you th you'd never would have thought of, but someone had thought of. And you go, that's that was brilliant. So yeah, it was a good example to meet some of those. I think there's a greater opportunity here in Australia for access to capital. How do we make it uh, a simpler process for industry to source the capital they need to grow? Not necessarily just the banks, because I, I think, and through my own experience, I know that uh, if we can provide a greater access to capital, particularly for startups, uh, the growth potential is huge. And here I'm thinking about companies like Cochlear and ResMed, you know, today creating hundreds of jobs uh, and high tech, high value, high skilled paying jobs that we can take to the world. Yeah, that's, that's the future for us. Cool. Well, um, I know you spend a lot of time with Andrews thinking about future prospects for, for the nation, for manufacturing in particular, but uh, technology development in general. Um, are there any new processes or systems you'd like to see implemented uh, in that space to, to help us bridge those gaps? For me, I guess it always does come down to people. So to have an event where you can bring people together, and we're having those all around the country, uh, bringing business owners and researchers and people from Oz Trade and Oz Industry together, so they're building these local support networks. Now, I've got a great example of a um, workshop we held in Armidale and I had a business owner there in Armidale uh, doing great work. Another uh, company in Tamworth, only an hour south. And just out of that one meeting, they got to know each other and a fellow in Armidale was saying, I've got no end of trouble with transport. How do I get my goods up to Brisbane? Because you know, the trucks don't always turn up on time or the, or the rates are too expensive um, when I need them. And so this fellow in the same meeting said, I've got my own trucks. I'm in Tamworth, I'm coming past Armadale all the time. So here's these two companies now working together. Collaboration is a key driver. We see many other nations where it's a natural thing for companies to work together, perhaps putting joint bids on projects. I think there's a lot to learn here in Australia around that and the collaboration effort, uh, but we're seeing more and more of it. And again, that will help us. You mentioned in your presentation today that Germany was a kind of exceptional example of the integration between tertiary institutions and industry. Uh, what do you think we can learn from that? Well, I think Germany does lead the world for the engineering side. You know, people trust an engineered product from Germany. Uh, that would be fair to say. Um, but as Aussies, we've got a great brand. Uh, I mentioned that we've, we've got this great resource that we all share. It's called Australia. Um, so wherever we go in the world, we're trusted. Australian products are trusted, be it artwork or right down to a bottle of wine. We've got some great brands out there. Uh, that we can take to the world and people are prepared to pay a premium for them. Uh, how can we evolve that to much more than just wine or the services? Uh, can we do that in the space sector? Uh, because right now the space industry is growing. Uh, there's a new NASA Moon to Mars mission, which Australia is a signatory to. And we've got great small business now reaching out to us and saying, how can we get involved in this sector? So the tertiary side is, I think there's room for TAFE to improve so much. Uh, I know, you know the more we can get apprentices into the business, you know, not necessarily everyone's wanting to go to university, but how do we open these pathways uh, to get people upskilled? How do we get the skills that we need to drive the Australian economy forward? All right, so for our listeners and, and particularly, you know, the students and academics in the university, how should they, they tap into your network with AMGC and, and others like it? Yeah, the good part is uh, our latest platform is the Manufacturing Academy, which is completely free. Uh, we're just trying to develop this whole new ecosystem for manufacturing in Australia, we know that today manufacturing is so much more than just making stuff. Uh, there's so much value to capture from the research and development side. There's a lot of value to capture from the sales and marketing side. I still meet companies that don't even have a website. Uh, but now with Instagram and Twitter and all the rest, how can you share your story? So there's some great opportunities out there. It's a matter of getting people involved. People can register on the, on the website at uh, manufacturingacademy.org.au. 
um, share our research, which is all there completely free to download. Uh, and this is research that's real world. It's from us talking to business owners all around Australia about their experience and how they're transforming their business today. Um, yeah, it's a good time. And a final question, just as we wrap up, I wonder if you have any book recommendations. I certainly do, yeah. I'm an avid book reader. I've um, read many over the years. I think I've got a, over a thousand books sitting on the shelf at home. Um, but yeah, I enjoy a good read. It's a, for me, I guess, uh, a time that I can switch off the phone and not worry about the Twitter feed and uh, sit back and flick the pages. I do like a, a physical book. Um, a recommendation, there's some good ones out there, isn't there? I really like the Kidman story, The Cattle King. Sydney Kidman's life. So he was a fella that um, riding on his horse and you know ended up buying parcels of land and breeding cattle and uh, refrigeration came along. It was a new invention. Uh, suddenly he had a market where he could refrigerate uh, beef and send it to England. He grew a business around that and became a very large business. Um, but the story around Sydney Kidman and uh, how he evolved and, and grew that business I've always found fascinating. And so I've bought that book on many occasions and given it to friends to share. Yeah, I recommend that one. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Michael. It's been a pleasure to chat. Thanks, Leo. Well, that's all the science we can fit into Lab Notes this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're keen to hear more inspiring stories of innovation, check out our back catalogue and subscribe to the channel so new episodes can appear on your device once a week. Lab Notes is produced by Eon Labs in collaboration with Brenny Digital. You can find links to both of those organisations, along with our guest's biography, the papers we discuss, and more in the description below. Our music is sourced from Purple Planet Music and mixed by Nat Harris. I'm your host, Dr. Leo Stevens. Until next week, keep inventing.